It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas everywhere we look. Some free agents have signed and trades have been made, but we await the decision of the straws. It's time for dingers. This is dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah, dingers. Let's go. Welcome to Dingers, the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people. It's not just Zach Wheeler that wins you championships. That's why week in and week out, we're delivering tips and strategies to help you live that straight up OG lifestyle. I'm Tyler Childs. Joining me again this evening is Bob Baseball. Good evening. <laughs> good good evening. Good evening, <laughs> what, Tyler. What, you sound like um, the guy from Monster Mash. He did that mash. Jeez. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it was it was actually pretty close. We'll have to we'll have to go to the replay on that one. Okay, but yeah, welcome to another episode of Dingers. Where episode fifty? Woo woo! Good for us, the big five zero. Yeah, high five zero. No, there's no Hawaii in baseball. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> if it, if there were, they'd have a blue field, right? Isn't that Hawaii and Boise? Aren't those the two that have that in college? I or didn't know. Hawaii, I thought Hawaii had like gray or something. Yeah, you get the idea. Yeah, yeah, different <laughs> colors. Yep, yep, we're all good. So uh, what's on tap tonight? You had a, it sounded like you opened a juice box on the opener. Oh, come on. That was a clean snap. <laughs> just Capri Sun here, stabbing the straw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was opening a mason jar with some clear in it. No, I'm still rolling with my rolling rock, but I, I also have an OV with me. Premium quality, complete with wow. the mic. It's just sitting here. Let's see if you can hear it. It's sitting in ice <laughs> and and for your i i don't know how many people actually know what ov is so you know we should definitely clarify ov uh old vienna and Which, since it might be gone soon ty sorry to interrupt because of wait, the pending well because of the pending world war between canada and the u.s thanks to uh our prime minister taking a little poke at at the trumpinator yeah our prime minister is a meathead but that's a different conversation Hey, it's fun to talk about people, <laughs> oh, especially when you're standing around other world leaders. Yeah. So, you know, the back to the beer is, while we still have it. Yeah. OV is a, a small town beer staple. And at least in Canada it is. I, Every I'd love to, I would love to hear from uh, some of our American listeners to know if, if OV is on their radar, because I don't think it is in a lot of cases. Um, I just love to get some context on that. So if you're uh, an American listener, Hit us up uh, on Twitter at Dingers Pod, and the pressing question of today is, "What is OV? Do you know what it is? <laughs> Have you ever drank it before? What do you think? Give it a can, review. Can you send us a meme yeah. <laughs> with OV? But all, well, we did recently have a, an American invade Ontario in uh, one of our group chats who was complaining about our Canadian uh-huh. beer, and I must say uh, a, a great uh, shout out to. Uh, Dave, um, even Ronnie chimed in. I mean, odd that Ronnie would chime in about something. Um, <laughs> but we were all, I think we had our, we had our backs up defending our Canadian brew. 
uh, telling this guy, you know, Simon, who's a, a, a good listener on, of this show, um, who said that our beer sucked. And I, well, you were in on it too, Ty, saying that he was getting Molson Canadian, I think. And, uh, or no, maybe that was Dave. Anyhow, just, uh, yeah, defending our, our brew, just like uh, good old Canadian boys. So I, did, I missed that in the chat. I would oh, have did you really? immediately oh. rolled up top button undone. Um, we would have been here over the weekend for Thanksgiving. He came, he came to Canada for American Thanksgiving makes total sense to no one. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, and then he was driving back on Sunday when we had an ice storm, um, which was also the day that I finished putting up my Christmas lights. Little difficult with the ice on the ladder, but I got it done. (laughs) See, that's an amateur move. I've had my Christmas lights up for four years. (laughs) 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 You leave those suckers up. (laughs) Well, we, we had the addition that we put on the house this year and, uh, yeah, I bought a 32 foot ladder, I think it is. And I, I'm nowhere close to the top of the highest point of the house with the ladder. And I had said to my wife, I am not getting on that roof in this weather to like scoot across the top. Cause if anybody knows anything about the pitch of a roof, I have a 12, 12 roof, which is a 45 degree angle heading down. And that thing is steep. And I said, I need to like wiggle my way out to the end and then throw down a rope she needs to tie the christmas lights to it bring them up to me and then i'll staple them in and she's like no but i've now figured out what i'm gonna do for next year so um anyway yeah so he drove back in on sunday in that uh stormy stormy weather and all i was thinking about was man i hope he got some good brews in him while he was here not necessarily uh crazy hoppy ipas but uh you know a good old bottle of ov why not i mean what i'm hearing reading between the lines is that the beer got him. He maybe had a rough night and a rough morning and he was a little sour about it because mm. maybe the first American I've ever heard complain about our beer. Yeah. That's usually like a staple of, uh, you know, positivity for us is well, we got and, good beer. And maybe a lot of Americans don't know this. So I'll just share it. Like when you go into our stores and you open the beer fridge, it just goes, ah, <laughs> <laughs> we just have that audio on every beer fridge. It just <laughs> thing. So, <laughs> well, it's because in Ontario they're all owned by the government, so they can make those noises. It's not independent well, like it is in it's several not an provinces. Actual, it's not an actual audio of the, you know, kind of the heavenly praise that it deserves. It's actually just a government subliminal message. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay to pay the tax on this. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Don't you worry about this it's heavy tax. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Smooth road. Sorry about the potholes. Uh, <laughs> But anyway, enough off-topic stuff. We're here to not just give our Twitter handles, which for Ty is at Boss, as he mentioned already, uh, at Dinger's Pod, and for myself, at Robbie Baseball one uh, We are also here to talk about fantasy, and this is a really fun time of the year because we can discuss the actual signings, the players that are getting dropped, the non-tender guys, uh, the, ne- the pending uh, Rule 5 draft, which stay tuned for next week's episode. We are going to wait until the Rule 5 draft has wrapped up before we record so we can be as up-to-date as we can for the Friday launch. Um, but tonight, Ty, we're talking about what's happened uh, in real baseball and how it's going to affect our fantasy teams and the fantasy players. Absolutely. So let's let's dive right in. I think a, one of the bigger names that's come off the market uh, so far this week, uh, solid lefty. I... I I think at this point in the career, the, the money might be an overpay. Uh, but at the same time, I think it was important to the, the Braves to get Cole Hamels on a one-year deal. And $18 million for one year, 
Uh, I think they're paying for the flexibility there more so than they are for the player. Um, you know, you've got a lot of young talent there in Atlanta and, you know, adding that lefty, which they kind of need, right? Cause they don't really have that dominant lefty. They're replacing in all likelihood to Heron's innings. Um, yeah. and, and, and they've got Max Fried that I think maybe Hamels can actually be there to help just like the rest of the staff, right? Like give or take Fulty as your SP two this week and SP five next week um maybe hamels is just going to be like a kind of stabilizing influence for that rotation like keichel could have been last year and i mean they still got a ton of depth right like remember my boy sean newcomb is in the pen (laughs) i i can't imagine he's going to roll out a spring training and and be a bullpen piece so he's either going to make a huge problem for atlanta and say time to get me somewhere else or they're going to move him before that, or he's going to be in the rotation. Like there, there's no, there's no bullpen for him in Atlanta, in my opinion, especially because they've added depth there. I think it makes it really difficult uh, to keep him there. I just don't see him getting on board with that. It would be a really fun thing if he was to light it up in the spring and actually make it a contest here. I'm just going to check um, our good old friends here at roster resource, rosterresource.com. Um, which are also moving to fan graphs, as it says all over their uh, website now, just to see who they have slotted in for Atlanta. Um, their top five today, Soroka, Hamels, Fulte, Freed. Oh, Sean Newcomb is their SP5 penciled in there. So that starting five would be great for opening day, but like, let's get ready to discuss the potential of that AAA rotation of Kyle Wright, Bryce Wilson, Tuki Toussaint. Uh, you've got Ian Anderson that can be kicking in with that. There are, I'm just looking down at everybody else. There are others that are not as smiley and exciting, but um, yeah, it is a it is a good thing to be the GM of the Atlanta Braves right now because you've got a lot of different ways you can go. And even their um, bullpen, they've got a couple of guys that are slated at the moment to be AAA guys that could easily come up and make... Uh, AJ Minter has one make really big impacts. So for Atlanta, I like the Cole Hamill signing from a fantasy standpoint. Um, his wins are likely to go up after they've been decreasing the last couple of years, but I can't see him increasing heavily in any other categories for you as far as K's or uh, the whip. I think a lot of things are just kind of what they are for Hamels. And for me, I would only want him in a points league and he's somebody that's adding depth to my team. He's nobody that I'm counting on to right the ship in any way. I, I think he's a guy that if you've got him on a, a contract that is either up this year or next, great chance to get some value out of him uh, in the next week or two while everyone's high on the idea that he's going to make a huge turnaround in Atlanta because Atlanta's good, right? Like keep in mind that to your point, you are giving up some wins. And if you're in a points league, um, you're definitely going to be giving up probably some good point advantage but at the same time reality is you could also turn in a huge profit depending on what you have them on contract for so um you know just something to keep in mind that it's not always necessarily about holding guys that have good contracts sometimes it's about the profit and like being realistic like are you actually going to win this year or are you just going to flirt with the idea of making the playoffs yeah, and one of my philosophies is typically to ensure when the season starts, I have a team that should be in and around 500 come the deadline, and that's 
always going to give me the most opportunity to succeed because I can hopefully be well ahead of a 500 record and then make the decision to compete even easier. But if I'm at 500, I can you know kind of survey the situation in my league and decide, do I want to go for it? Or do I want to hold back and just see what my guys can do based on you know who's coming up or who's injured or healthy? And Cole Hamels is the kind of guy that I don't think I necessarily want to be waiting into the season to deal away. If I've got him and somebody says, hey, Cole Hamels for you know possibly someone younger or hitting a position of need, I'm, I'm making that deal today for him. Yeah, I'm with you. And, and I mean, kind of to finish off Atlanta, like I think they're a Josh Donaldson signing away from being the, the World Series favorite, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I, d- I don't disagree with the fact that they are a legit third baseman away from just having a beautiful looking roster. Yeah, because like, I think I think it realistically bumps Mercakis into uh, an everyday backup um, with obvious at bats that he's going to get um, on a pretty frequent basis. Uh, the, it, for whatever reason, roster resource has Acuna playing right field. I don't know why that's the case, but um, the reality is. Uh, you've got Duvall there still. You've got Inciarte, who who realistically is could potentially be on the move if uh, Atlanta does in fact sign Donaldson. Uh, it could be a depth move, knowing that Riley's going to be an outfielder, not a third baseman. So, you know, they they've got some things to decide. They got to figure out how they want to play that. But uh, I think either way, they're going to be a contender. I just think Donaldson makes them like a real threat to win it. So moving on, uh, something a little more uh, recent, uh, just kind of being finalized here this afternoon, Omar Narvea going from the Seattle Mariners, your boy Jerry getting in on the action again, uh, sending Narvea to Milwaukee. A um, couple minor league pieces that we probably shouldn't really know right now, but in, in your mind, you probably are best friends with half of these guys because you are, you are. I'm about to be because they're headed to Seattle, but they also got uh, an international. Um, I don't know if it was money or if it's just a slot because now you're allowed to. Because I think now it's a trade or it's a like a draft system. Anyway, whatever it is, they are. Um, yeah, they they moved him off. It was entirely likely that they were going to do this. I think we mentioned it briefly last week. Um, creates some awesome playing time for Tom Murphy. I'm so happy. But on Narvaez himself, uh, it's a pretty neutral move. He's going to have a slight uptick in RBI opportunities because that lineup ahead of him is pretty dynamite. Um, But he's going to be at the back end of the Milwaukee lineup, which means there's going to be a pitcher behind him, depending on if he bats six, seven, or eight. And the RBI, or sorry, the run opportunities are going to dwindle a little bit. Like right now, Orlando Arcia is slated in to be the eighth guy, Narvaez at seven. So that, that doesn't bode really well for him. And Ty, you had mentioned um, a very interesting stat about his contact rate, which I didn't know, which I find like hilarious. Well, I, I find it funny as well. And I was digging through uh, traderbs.com today, and they've always got good stuff, pulling it from fan graphs and whatever. But um you know, they, they posted a stats. His slash line's not terrible, uh, for, especially for a catcher. 22 long bombs in 2019. Uh, dingers, uh, you know, is, is something that usually comes as a result of hitting the ball hard. But in this case, average exit velocity for Narvea was 85.4, which not very impressive. There's a lot of 13-year-olds that can... <laughs> can exit velocity. I was seeing uh, that in my Bantam baseball tier two tryouts. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, I, back in my pitching days, I saw that going over my right shoulder quite frequently. <laughs> um, 
but, but you know, the, the hard hit rate of 27.5%, just not a good number. Um, you know, he's, he's got good plate discipline, you know, pretty standard for a catcher and, you know, ultimately a respectable walk rate, uh, but not great. So, you know, the indication that trade rumors has, and I, I tend to agree with it, is is just kind of indication that you might see his numbers slip back to reality because he's got this two-year window where he's been productive. You know, the White Sox capitalized on his first year of success and now in Seattle's mind, I'm sure they believe they've capitalized on it as well, knowing that they've got Tom Murphy behind, um, you know, there to, to kind of protect there. So, you know, ultimately this is one from a fantasy value. Uh, I don't know that it really changes his stock. Like I think if you're an Omar Navea owner, the reality is you're owning him because he's a kind of middle of the road, going to give you safe, you know, numbers as a catcher and he's going to play probably almost every day in Milwaukee. Um, <laughs> and and well, also, it's him and Pena, right? Or Pena. So yeah. And Pena like, is nothing to, yeah. It's a, like a 70, 30 for Narvaez. This, this works out well for him, but again, he's a catcher. Yeah, exactly. So we, we were not going to waste any more time on catchers, um, but we are sticking with the Seattle theme and Rob is getting super excited just to talk about anybody from Seattle. So I'm going to pass the baton and, and you tell me about Evan white and and what you're seeing right now. Yeah. So since our last episode, when we announced that Evan white had signed an MLB deal, but it was within that timeframe of him signing the MLB deal that all of a sudden he is a highly sought after commodity in dynasty leagues. I have seen him traded in, two leagues and I have seen his name actively and openly discussed in the chats in two others, which I find very weird. And these are both, excuse me, leagues that are 20 or more teams deep and have uh, MILB rosters or minor league rosters of 12 and up to 50 players. So these are very deep leagues. And Evan White is now for some reason highly sought after because of this deal. And I think people are just assuming that because he's on an MLB deal, there is no way that he won't flop when he comes up and takes first base in Seattle. The problem is that we mentioned it last week. There are other capable MLB players in Austin Nola and Daniel Vogelbach who are in Seattle right now and can handle first base and potentially platoon in it. And depending on how versatile you want to say Tim Lopes and Dylan Moore are, you could have four possible guys. And this isn't to say that Evan White is blocked. This is simply to say that people seem to be forgetting that Evan White played the entire 2019 season at AA and did not play a single game at AAA. Last year, 2018, he played the very tail end of the season at AAA. He had 18 at-bats. So I feel like Seattle is likely to start Evan White at AAA. Hope like heck he gets off to a good start, and then they can bring him up as they see necessary. Because they've given him this extended, or sorry, this deal, this MLB deal, it doesn't mean he has to be in Seattle. It's not like they gave him $15 million a season for the next six seasons. He is going to get his chance. But right now in fantasy, if you own this guy, I would start to shop him around if people are not already aggressively coming at you. See what the best or silliest offer is that you can get back because I'm sure before he signed last week, you were not penciling him in as your first base starter for the season. So see what's out there, see what your biggest need is. And I, I see no reason to uh, like get rid of him immediately, but I feel like right now he is at his peak 
value as a prospect. Never been higher, will not, cannot get higher than he is right now. So go ahead and be active with him. I, I don't know that I've seen this in the last couple of years. Scott Kingery kind of came out of nowhere in spring training with his deal. Um, Eloy was, I think, late in spring last year. And he still, I mean, think about what Eloy did last year. He came up after the season started, not when the season started. I can easily see that happening with Evan White. But now might be the time to sell him if you think the return can be greater. Well, I mean, I really don't believe I'll go back as a major leaguer. Right? I mean, most of his production was in the first month of the regular season. So I'm not on the bandwagon for Vogelback slowing Evan White down. I I don't think they do this deal um, the way they did it unless they have every intention of rolling him out there right at the start of the season. I could so, just see him struggling off the hop and then his I don't disagree with that. hits yep. the tank. So that's don't, why for me that now's the time. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. But at the same time too, right? Like, I don't think anybody's arguing that Evan White Evan White's going to be a good player. So, like, depending on where your roster's at, like, if you're if you're trying to win now, I'm with you. Yeah, definitely bargain a deal and make your team better this year. I, I'm with you. I don't know that he's going to come out and light the world on fire. But then again, nobody thought Pete Alonso was going to hit 50 bombs last year either. So I did. Yeah, but I I don't think you would have put any money on that one. I called Judge too, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's not talk about it. Um, but yeah, I mean... I, well, what we don't want to talk about is Jose De Leon. We don't want to talk about him. We do want to talk about the two that I did get right. Anyway, yeah, uh, yeah but back back on topic. If, if you are considering your possibilities with areas of need on your team because you're an Evan White owner, now's the time to maybe look at some of the other teams who might be interested or who have already asked you about them. I've I've seen a pretty handsome trade that was centered around Evan White, and I thought the team that dealt him made a very smart move. And this isn't a shot at Evan White whatsoever. This is simply a shot at value and opportunity coming together right now if you're an Evan White owner. Yeah, and I, and I think the other part too is that he does play at Safeco Field, which is you know not a happy Homer Park, right? So you know it's certainly going to hurt you know potential on on the power numbers. Uh, you know, and depending on your format, you gotta you gotta think about that a little bit. So, you know, on the same side, like I, I do think he's gonna be a very good player. I I think he's one of the safer bets at the first base position, um, in the minor leagues right now. So, you know, keep that in mind. Like we don't have a ton of depth at first base right now. There's some good players, and then there's a big gap. There's a lot of uncertainty at the position. I think there's like six teams without a real locked first baseman, plus like San Diego who has. Hosmer. <laughs> so yeah, for you the know, next like five years. <laughs> yeah. 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 Definitely. So I mean there's there's definitely things um to consider and like about Evan White. But let's move on to another guy that's for sure gonna be completely useless, but we're gonna talk about him anyway. Um, and that is Jake Mariznick, who was traded today from the Houston Astros over to the New York Mets. And this is a depth move and and I don't I don't think there's any real fantasy value here. I think this is a defensive fourth outfielder. I think in full transparency, it's a prep move to allow them to move Dominic Smith uh, and continue to have outfield depth. So I think that's the next move for the Mets. Dominic Smith's going to go. I I don't see any other logical move on their roster. But, I mean, Dominic Smith could bring in that shortstop that they're after, uh, potentially. Rosario. 
they've got a shortstop. It's for them. But, for, it's, but they don't love him. Well, it's just they've they've got one. Like I would say that if I'm the Mets, I'm not looking at shortstop to sort my problems out. I've got uh, a a dumpster fire. Well, I mean, last year the the dumpster fire was their defense, but um, but that's yeah. why they don't like Rosario though, right? Because he's not a good defender. So you know I, what I've heard and what I think is probably the best move for the Mets because I don't think Rosario necessarily hurts you with the bat, but you move Rosario to third and you make sure McNeil's in the outfield um, is a much better move for your infield. So if you can then replace him with shortstop, like for whatever reason, they might be able to go after uh, Lindor perhaps, right? So, you know, that would be an interesting trade around Dominic Smith. I don't know if there's enough depth left in the Mets organization to pull that one off, but um, certainly something to consider. Uh, Dominic Smith is a beast, and in the American League, he carries a little more value with the DH slot doesn't have that same value on the NL roster, which is why I think they acquired Mariznick so they can move it. It's an interesting thought. I, it was a pretty, I, my note for him, the Mariznick move was meh. And then uh, to tack on to the next guy, Pintar Pineda returns to the Twins on a two-year deal. Um, to me, it's a little note until he pitches after his suspension this season. So really, I wouldn't be wanting to get into any kind of conversation unless I'm in a very desperate situation in a points league and he's come back before the trade deadline and had a decent start or two. Um, really, it's going to be a year from today that I'm going to be looking at, at Pineda coming into what would be a contract how, year for How him. long is he out? Uh, I think he was suspended in season, so I think he's somewhere into the June marker. Um, I'll look. Yeah. He's not... To me, it's just not worth it because he missed... He already missed a full season recovering as a twin. So he had a two-year deal before and then came back and then got suspended after return. Like, because he had delayed his, delays in his return. So um, he's, gonna, he's only going to miss the first 39 games, though. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. Yeah. Still, so, well, so that puts you into mid May. That's yeah, eight starts. Yeah, but that's perfect because it's ice cold in Minnesota till then. Sure. But at the same time, he might be ice cold coming in after either way i'm just i'm I mean, not thinking at all about him um, the reality is though like you you love uh seattle and jerry depoto this correct. puts a, a tick in my box for the minnesota twins starting to add some of these ped guys um <laughs> they're, they're, <laughs> uh, i'm gonna start you know getting on the twins bandwagon if they keep bringing these guys well i think they're well, I guess, yeah, it was Pineda. No, no, Pineda was suspended as a twin. Yeah, I was just going to say, so it's as twins they're getting it. And I'm, so they've got they, they've got Nelson Cruz, right? That's where he signed? Yeah, yeah. and so they had three. Chris Colabello. Colabello is in there too? He was, but that was pre or post? He was. Uh, he went from Minnesota to Toronto, which is okay. where, but you yeah, got so to assume that his, yeah. but you got to assume like his numbers spiked while he was still in Minnesota, that that was part of that. And he's Old best friends trend. with like uh, Gronk's brother, so there's a whole fun factoid to that. But so yeah, so that and then they so the Polanco, um, they had Irvin Santana who was popped. That's a lot of bad. Like that's five dudes coming through Minnesota. My goodness. Anyway, so for me, I'm not you. Ty, you're saying Pineda might be of some significance depending on when he comes back, courtesy of the juice. And and for me, um, I'm waiting at least a year unless I'm desperate at the trade deadline. But that's, I mean, a, a lot of things can change when a guy's on a two-year deal, uh, depending on what your league setup for him is as well. When you get into contracts, I, I mean, listen, see, 
I yeah, could see ahead. some leagues that Pineda could have a ridiculously high contract for leagues that have been around for a while. If he's not on like an expired rookie deal, he could have been signed when he was kind of dealing as a Yankee. And we've seen it in other leagues where guys have like, look at Jose Peraza in one of our leagues where I think he's on a uh, three years left at 17 million a year. He'll be lucky to get 350 at bats this year in Cincinnati. Yeah. yeah. So well, no, they, they non-tendered Peraza. Oh, did they? Oh, geez. Yeah, he I didn't got even put him on our list. Yeah, he got non-tendered, uh, which is interesting because he's still going to be a valuable player somewhere. Um, I think that Watch was the before. Royals take him just to block more guys. <laughs> I, I Yeah, exactly. Right. I think that was just a 40-man roster move for the Reds. Um, you know, bring him on. Marlins need outfielders. Uh, <laughs> so the ultimate thing here for me with Pineda, though, and, and like a lot of, you know, starters these days like it, it comes down to one very simple thing with Pineda is he going to play every fifth fifth day right and and if he runs out there every fifth day he's going to give you value the stuff's there he looked pretty decent last year in the games that he got in um you know 2.7 on the war last year uh certainly something to to get excited about considering he didn't get in there until a little bit later, and then his season was cut short because he's a cheater. Um, you know, all of that considered, like the value is going to be there if he plays. And the big question mark is, will he play? So I'm not going to say the names of all of the Minnesota Twins starters, but the start of the rotation is Barrios and Odorizzi. So that's not terrible. I, I like the Twins rotation. I hate their bullpen. But I, I actually like their rotation, to be honest. I can't imagine the scenario in which they don't add another starter beyond Pineda. And it makes sense to me why they brought him back when I look at Devin Smeltzer, Randy Dobnik, and Lewis Thorpe, all 24-year-olds. Yeah, keep in mind, Gratterall is going to break that rotation out of it, camp. I completely agree. I, I think when I'm, I'm just looking here because... But it's like easy to look at roster resource and then discredit it a little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, here's the thing. Like you're going to have uh Gratterall slide into that three hole uh, and you're going to slot Smelter for Dobnik five. Like I, I think that's a pretty reasonable opening day scenario considering they still have a little bit of depth in their organization that they can trade to add a starter if needed, if they get off to the start they need to keep in mind that, Cleveland's still going to be respectable at least. And you got to figure the White Sox are going to take a big step forward this year. So well, that Cleveland division's... could still have the best rotation in that division. Uh, like... Yeah, in theory. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. But, I mean, these guys don't need to to play a ton of defense off the mound. They need to just allow less than five runs, right? Like that offense is solid, and it, and it should be better this year, um, assuming – Buxton doesn't run into the center field wall too many more times. <laughs> yeah, well. He's at see. like eight. He has like eight concussions by running into the center field wall. Like maybe they need to build like a speed bump on the edge of the warning track for him. <laughs> that would be an interesting <laughs> be an interesting thing. Like he would have been great in Houston. With, oh, no uh, doubt. Running up the hill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He would have known to slow down. Well, uh, they just like, need the uh, stop forest signs. Yeah, I was just going to say, there's like Forrest Gump, so. Uh, but anyway, we're we're gonna have a three-hour episode here if we keep getting off topic for every guy. So uh, on to Bundy. Who yeah, speaking of three hours, like the ball off the bat usually is in the air for about three hours. 
Yeah. So a guy who's known for the worst home run rate in baseball has been traded to the Angels uh, for, was his trade? Yeah, his trade was four minor league pitchers. And VR, who we'll mention soon, was for one 17th rounder who apparently, I'll just, I'll wait until we get to him. I'll, I'll tell the quick story then. So Bundy, anyway, home run rate. So everybody's hitting home runs last year. And Dylan Bundy decides to have his home run rate lowered for whatever <laughs> random reason. Um, I have no interest in getting burned by Dylan Bundy again. He is a career 470 plus ERA guy. Uh, it's going to be a tough division in the AL West this year, even though uh, the Angels are a much improved team over Baltimore. I don't see Bundy all of a sudden, like I'm talking wire to wire here. I don't see Bundy making an impact he has a few years of control left if you're looking to take a flyer he's not the worst guy to take a flyer on but this is not a guy that i want uh to be centering or in like somebody that i depend on in my fantasy rotation no matter the size of the league i'm always thinking 30 team league i do not want bundy to be anywhere near the level of importance that i put on a top like an sp4 even yeah, see, I, I disagree with you on that one. Um, I want Bundy. Uh, if you have him in a league and we're not in a contract scenario where you're paying him $17 million, um, <laughs> then then I'm definitely intrigued by Dylan Bundy's availability, and you should give me a call. But um, here's the thing. The thing that people always forget is when it comes to pitching in Los Angeles, they play – a reasonable amount of night games because of the West coast scenario. Um, and, and at the end of the day, the air gets super heavy out there. So the ball's not going to fly too far in comparison to Baltimore, right? Baltimore is a very hitter friendly ballpark. Um, he's in the AL East, right? You're moving him to the AL West where there's not a ton of power bats either, right? Like you've got some, you've got some average home run rate teams between Houston and Oakland. Um, you got to figure Texas should be a little tick up, uh, especially if they somehow land a Rendon. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think Dylan Bunny's stock is way up right now. Uh, I like him to have a bounce back season. I don't know that he's ever going to reach the expectations that people had for him at one point in time, but I do like him to take a step forward this year and, and surprise some people. Yeah, I'm I'm not on that I'm not on that bus right now. I would not be on that bus if in June he was lighting it up because I've been there before and it hurts so bad when he falls. So somebody else who was a prospect, highly touted, was in a big one for one MLB trade. Then he slowly came about and finally has established himself. Zach Wheeler. He is now a Philadelphia Philly. In my opinion, we have a neutral move here. Uh, he's no better because he's stayed in the exact same division he was just pitching in. So there won't be that uh, time for him to either get ahead of hitters or to be behind them. It's all going to be so the same. I don't see Philly right now as an elite team. They should be good, but my goodness, they're going up against Washington for what is it? 18 games and Atlanta for 18 games. That's going to be tough. That's exactly what he had to do last year. Um, his defense is going to be a little bit better behind him. We've mentioned it a few times that, you know, the Mets were not a great defensive team. Um, but, you know, overall, 
yeah, he's he's fine. Like I, I'm just I'm not aggressively going after him. If he went to Atlanta, oh yeah, that would have been a really good move. If he went to Atlanta instead of um, uh, Hamels, I would have been very interested in that because that really bulks it up for him. It would have been kind of like a Garrett Cole moving to Houston. But for me, I'm I'm not all over it. If if you got him, hold him. If you're looking to sign somebody, I would look elsewhere than to Wheeler. Um, yeah, that's where I'm sitting. Ty, what do you I, I, I mean, for me, Wheeler, I, I've read multiple articles by, you know, pretty reasonable leaders in the space, like MLB and, a, you know, a wider variety of fantasy sites that we, we stay on top of. But the thing I, I'm not okay with is people throwing around the term Zach Wheeler, durable starting pitcher. Yeah. Um, he, I've seen it multiple times this really? offseason, and oh, and I don't grasp where they're getting this from. Um, I think they this, just have to write a lot of articles. I think that's what yeah, happens. But do they just forget that he literally has not played a full season until last year? Like he has one yes. regular season in his whole career where he's actually stayed healthy. So for me, this is a a very scary signing for Philly. Um, with other options that I think would have been more durable. Like for me, Madison Baumgartner was the guy for Philly. He's he's a grinder. Uh, he's a he just is he, he represents Philly. He's like, a champion. Like if if Wheeler gets hurt, they will burn that city down. <laughs> like you know like and poor Wheeler's got to stick it out for five years after that, right? So you know him and Harper. <laughs> yeah, like look at Harper. Harper had a, a very good major league season last year, right? Was he crapped on by everybody in Philly? Yeah, like yeah. everyone destroyed him, and he had a really good season. Maybe not his best, but still a very good major league baseball season. And and that's my big thing is I think Wheeler is going to crumble under that expectation um, at the first sign of an injury. Now, if he stays very healthy, I actually really like him there. I think the the Marlins are going to suck, so you're going to have some serious bonuses to counteract some of the things you mentioned about in-division games. Um, I think he's going to know a little bit about the Mets, and he's going to have something to prove because they kind of decided he was the odd man out. So I think he's going to come to play there. Um, and, and I do think, it, although Atlanta is a good team, offensively they're not the most dangerous team in the league. So you know, keeping in mind that they're, they're still – susceptible to be beat um the nationals if they lose rendon and strasburg aren't that good so that's i i think there's room for wheeler to be really successful but there's also a huge cliff of potential failure true and the one final thought on wheeler signing and going to philly is that he's now going to have an actual mlb level catcher catching uh his pitches unlike last year and we all know that was an issue in Metsville. So moving on to an amazing trade, Jonathan VR literally handed over to Miami <laughs> for some reason. Uh, VR w- was not wanted. Um, Baltimore did not want to try to compete at the high level they had last year with 67 wins, I think is where they were. Um, <laughs> for VR, his stolen bases should go up just like they should have went up last year because Baltimore was so bad and Miami could be so bad. Um, the other stats should be about the same. If anything, he might see a little bit of a dip when it comes to runs, depending on where he is in the lineup. Uh, he's probably going to be off the top. So the idea of the 
the pitcher being in the way might not be an issue, but he could be coming on base with one more out than he might otherwise. So that might be something. Um, and the quick comment that I had about who he got traded for was a 17th round pick. Apparently somebody who didn't want to sign in Baltimore um, or there was some type of discussion where the pitcher wasn't interested possibly at the slot value he was going to be given. So he ended up kind of passing Baltimore by, ended up with Miami, signed and then traded. So um, I don't have a whole lot of info on the, the guy that, my, or that Miami dealt in the deal, but I'm certainly going to have him on my list. And once we start getting into prospects, he's going to be one of the guys that I'll have some more info to discuss. But I thought that was really interesting that a 2019 17th round pick can get you, um, I don't know if he was an all-star like in the sense of a year-round all-star, but get you he like was a Baltimore's all-star. Yeah, get you. We'll get you like a legitimate MLB player, right? Yes. So. I mean, here's the here's the question I have: like, is Jonathan VR just a bad human being? Like, every team yeah. seems to give up on him. Like, he certainly has a very reasonable stat line, right? I, I I don't get it. Like, he's had multiple extremely productive seasons, and they just keep letting this guy go. Like, I I don't. Well, Milwaukee don't doesn't have a history. Milwaukee doesn't have a history of making amazing deals when they like get rid of a player who's a, you know a ticking time bomb, right? Like they they were right on trading Brinson and a package to get um, Yelich. That was a great trade, but VR had a dip after one year, a breakout year, and then he he returned kind of to what he was before. So he's now two out of three, which in my books means you can do it. You can kind of bank on eighty ish percent of that production as a floor. So I don't know why he wouldn't have had a higher value unless Baltimore really wanted this pitcher, but I have to assume it had a lot more to do with money and it, it's not somebody that's being blocked, you know, like VR is not the reason Ryan Mountcastle didn't get any at bats last year. So I'm not sure what Baltimore's plan is here other than to possibly lose more games in 2020 well, than 2019. Yeah. And I, th I think it is a little bit along those lines. I think it's a little bit of money going out the door, right? And I mean, from the way the, the major, that Major League Baseball is set up right now, like you really can't blame these teams that are on the rebound because there's multiple teams ahead of Baltimore in this process, right, that have, have tanked and been really successful on the rebound. So at what point do you give them a, you know, a hard time? But in his Major League career, he's, on, he's, he's only an 8.4 uh, war player, right? So you know, that's that's over, what, six major league seasons, essentially. And, you know, he has a three and a four. But um, last year he was a four. And then in 2016 he was a three in Milwaukee. So two really productive seasons. But beyond that, nothing too crazy. Um, he had a negative number in 17 with the Brewers. And then ultimately, um, you know, a small piece of, of the season, I think, um in 18 was was injury prone but then he he seemed to have a reasonable year so you know the, the end of the day like I, very still very young he's only 28 like there's still lots of meat on the bone here and you know a team like the marlins are just desperate for infielders at this point so you know i think it's a good fit and a good trade and i actually think to it improves his fantasy value well we'll touch on miami infielders in a, in a little bit uh, because they did uh, let somebody go. They let JT Riddle go. So VR just kind of slots in there. Um, yeah, it's weird because they've got Asan Diaz, Miguel Rojas. It's not the but, worst, you know. Yeah, but none of those guys are, are pillars. 
no, right? no, no. But well, like Asan Diaz might be of some use. He was part of the Yelich trade too, I believe. But uh, yeah, it's just for me. Like we should have done it last year, but right now I'm just going to go ahead and uh, pour one out or down my throat for VR's fantasy value. <laughs> it's taken a bit of a dip in him going to Miami. So yeah, that's a very Baltimore thing for you to do. <laughs> just pour one out. Yeah. Uh, so one. Hopefully we can go quicker on this, just because I feel like we're we're just. We love talking baseball so much, but I don't know how much everyone's going to want to listen to the eight guys we've covered so far. I don't. Yeah. So, I mean, let's move on. Jerkson Profar going into San Diego, right? I mean, here's a, here's a move that I, I don't quite grasp from either side of the coin. Like Profar, very unproductive last season in Oakland, lost almost his starting job for a good portion of the season. And, you know, there was some, what was believed to be some depth with Luis Urias uh, in in San Diego, but they moved him for some pitching and, you know, replaced it with profile while Kinsler's on the bench. Uh, and I, and I'm, I'm having a brain fart here. Who's, who's the kid that's coming that plays second base in San Diego. There's another kid behind him. Well, Urias was the guy like everybody else in, in San Diego is a shortstop. That's, that's the whole thing. Like their, their system is deep in like San Diego's deep in pitching and heavy on shortstops. So no, it's Esteban Quares. That's the guy I'm thinking. Oh no, he's no. Yeah. Well, that's the guy though that I think they're moving Urias because they think they think he's the guy. I think if, if I'm pretty sure that's the right name. I'm gonna have a quick look myself here. Um, yeah, it's Asturi Ruiz to me, but Ruiz is no. Nope, you're right. A. That's the guy. Yeah. And no, then, no, no, that's the guy. I would say Xavier Edwards is the one that they want to rocket up the list, but. Um, to me, Ruiz is a little better. Edwards was, I think, second round draft pick last year, first round draft pick, but co- compensation. Yeah, no, I I, I followed overall. the E. The E. It's definitely Ruiz is the guy that that I was thinking. But you know, I think the reality is like you don't make a trade to move Urias um, where that team's at unless you believe that you've got somebody right behind him. Profar for me is just a defensive guy that they're going to bring in um, to hit ninth. I, I really think that's what it is. Yeah, he's scheduled right now to be the second baseman. And I think that could just really it's so funny because he's not he's he's still twenty-six right now. He'll play next year at twenty-seven, but um he just doesn't fit the mold. Like I I wrote in the in our little write up here that he could get five hundred and fifty at bats and be the everyday second baseman, or he could be in a platoon with Kinsler and maybe he could end up in a platoon with Kinsler, Tatis, and Machado and end up with 400 or fewer at-bats and not be helpful. Um, but if, if you think he's going to start all season, then go ahead, trade for him. Uh, tell me what you think his value is and tell me what you think you paid via Twitter at RobbieBaseball1 because I am interested if you think uh, Jerkson Profar is out to rebound in San Diego. So, And on the other side of that, uh, Luis Urias in Milwaukee. Uh, they now have a very interesting infield with uh, himself, Hira. Um, they let DFA or whatever. They, they let uh, uh, Travis Shaw go. So their bench options are like Jacob Nottingham, who's first base catcher, and Mark Mathias, who's just a mixed infielder. Um, so Urias is locked in uh, just quickly touching back to Profar that we don't know exactly what's going to happen there, but now it looks like, you know, the 
Milwaukee infield is settling if RC is going to hop over to third base or Urias. I mean, roster resource has Urias as the shortstop. So yeah, um, Urias is a very good defender. He's not going anywhere on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, you want him um, to get as many grounders as he can. I, I think the most likely outcome is that Hira moves to third. Uh, I think he's the weakest defender of the three. Still a decent defender. Certainly not a problem. Um, but I think Arcia and Urias are a better uh, up-the-middle combination, and I think that's the way it plays out because, you know, ultimately if, you know, Braun's going to play on the infield, uh, he's going to play at first, not third. Um, and, and I do think that it still leaves a door open for them uh, to sign a guy like a Jose Peraza might be a really good fit here uh, to help play with that infield depth and add depth to the outfield where Braun's moving probably in all likelihood out of left field. And somewhere in there, Milwaukee's going to have to look at themselves for a first base type too, because Braun might just be the first base for now, but at the same time, you need to have somebody there who can provide pop at the very least off the bench. You're in the NL. So, but quickly on, on Urias, um, his value should have taken a hit in fantasy because he's now over 300 MLB at bats. And it's going to be very difficult for any one in fantasy to now acquire him, I think based on this trade, because now he has a very clear path to playing time. Whereas in San Diego, it was a little more murky, but if you want to go ahead and try, at Robbie Baseball One, I am interested to know what uh, Urias's value is via trade. So somebody else, a former Milwaukee Brewer, now the moose is loose in Cincinnati. Ty, is this a move that you like? Love, 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 love. love. Um, and and here's the thing: the the knock on Moose has always been OBP, right? It's always been the thing that people hang over his head, and he's always been a good defender. He's always hit for a little bit of power. He's a respectable hitter when it comes to batting average. Not great, just respectable. But the power numbers will go up in Cincinnati as long as that lineup stays healthy. That lineup is is pretty deep, assuming the guys that you love there uh, stay healthy. That lineup is scary good. And if they somehow manage to add one more pitcher, they're going to win the NL Central. Well, I wanted to say that I think this is a solid move for him. I actually think the Cincinnati lineup is a little bit shaky. And I I broke it down in one of our league chats last week after the signing. And somebody's like, it ended up because they, they said Galvis as the shortstop. And I kind of said, you know, I think Votto's in decline and da, 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 Galvis is fine. And then it got into the, I somehow thought Galvis was better than Votto, which was not at all what happened. However, just when you look at the lineup, off the top, it might look pretty good, but when you look a little deeper, you can see where there could be some real issues in Cincinnati with guys not being on base for Mustakas to get RBIs or to be driven in. So I'm just not sold that this is perfect right now. That doesn't mean you can't go out and get him. Um, it's well, Cincinnati, I mean, right? Like here, he's going to get his hits. But here's the thing: like, are you giving up on Winkler? Because I mean, last year you were pretty high on him. I, I see Winker now as more of a platoon type guy, which was what everyone was saying last year. I, I, I've traded him, I think, in all but one dynasty league. And I think I had four shares, three, three by the time the season started last year, for sure. I mean, I here's the thing. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing with that lineup. Like, uh, you know, you got to figure Sinzel's going to take a step forward, right? A you know, Freddie plays. 
Yeah, I mean, that's exactly the truth. But Galvis is a respectable depth piece, right? Definitely. He's, yeah. he's certainly not going to hurt you at shortstop. Um, league average or better. Um, if Aquino is anywhere close to what he can be or could be based on the production last year. Can't you reasonably that, call him a question mark, though? Oh, absolutely. Like, for sure. You, know, you can just say, we're not sure. Yeah, like, but I mean, let's let's be serious though. If he hits two fifty and knocks out thirty bombs, like that's that's depth on that's that fine. roster, right? And and I think that's realistically what you should look for for him. Um, and and same with Mustakas, and then you add Suarez with some pop behind him in the lineup for the first time in his Cincinnati Reds career, and then you put Joey Votto's on base percentage in front of them. All of a sudden, there's something there. Um, and and the crazy part. I'm not on the Joey Votto like bounce back MVP campaign here, mm-hmm. but I do think this lineup with that power behind Joey Votto's ability to take walks and his plate discipline, I think there's a potential for Joey Votto to hit 320 this year, um, and 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 not have the power, but it's definitely something um, that I think people need to pay attention to because there's a little bit of a springboard here. I, I do agree with you that, that Winker is a question mark. I think Aquino is less of a question mark and more of how long before he becomes a regular mlb I think there's room for some growing pains here. But if you look further down, like you've got Van Meter who, who you love. love. I think Travis Jankowski is <laughs> a, a very underrated depth piece. Um, he's not going to win starting role by any means, but a really nice fourth outfielder that can give you some production um, at a very minimal level as a, as a depth piece, but stolen base threat too. So in yeah, the NL, that can always be of some absolutely. And, and I mean, Tucker Barnhart's not going to hurt you behind the dish. Uh, I think one big question mark I do have is if Barnhart gets hurt, they're screwed. Um, they got no depth at catcher. So I, I think, you know, this is a, this is a team that I think a Luke Melee could, find his way onto non-tender by the Blue Jays. Um, he'd be a great fit left-handed stick for them uh, at the catching position. I think they could get into that, but um, you know, Barnhart's already a lefty, so that could also kibosh that. So interesting thoughts, but I- I'm on the Cincinnati bandwagon, assuming they get one more starter because uh, starting rotation of Sonny Gray, Luis Castillo, Bauer, and let's say Madison Baumgartner, um, De- De Scalfini as your fifth starter is not going to hurt you. Oh, that's a rough fifth starter, though. But um, is it though? Well, I, don't, I guess we have to check around the league to see exactly uh, what's going on everywhere. So, because last year Cincinnati was making moves for MLB vets, and that was fine. And now they're signing some, and I don't dispute it. But like Mustakis is supposed to be a third baseman. He's now, I guess, a second baseman. And Suarez has established himself well in Cincinnati as the third baseman. And they have two future third basemen that are on their way up that I guess are going to, you know, get shuffled around a little bit. So things could be really good over the course of this five years for the Moose. And I'm not sure when Votto's contract's up. I think you had said 2032. Um, I think it's like 2040. Yeah. Oh, it's 24. Oh, so he's extended. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I just see what I was saying in the chat originally was just that there's a lot of risk in the Cincinnati lineup. And that's not a bad thing. I like, I don't think I would ever want to start the season, the fantasy season and be like, Oh, I've got a lineup that's locked in to do this, that, and the other. 
I want some risk. You know, like last year I wanted Sandy Alcantara and a lot of my on a lot of my teams. I wanted Frankie Montas on a lot of my teams because I wanted to have a lot of upside. You know, I wanted Pete Alonso because I wanted to see if it would work out. And for those guys, it did. And I will not mention any of the guys that it did not work out for because why would we want to talk about them? But anyway, once we get get into what probably into late January into February and we're talking about the teams as they start to kind of shape up and head into spring training I look forward to discussing Cincinnati because it's going to be fascinating to see how they fill out the roster hopefully they've got a trade in them like they did last year that brings in another outfielder that can really kind of like establish um, the whole team just like last year I felt like when they got Alex Wood they got Puig they I mean Kemp was money moving, but it was one of those things where you can just like pencil in 25 players and you're like, that looks pretty good. And then out of nowhere, they started bringing up these kind of triple A guys who were having success and it, it worked in some instances, didn't in others. And I, I really, I liked it. And they also have Michael Lorenzen who could potentially have more at bats this year. I, I mean, I'd like to see it personally because I love pitchers who rake. So, <laughs> so let's, let's dive into um, our last, last section, which is going to be a lot more um, hypotheticals. And, and it's a series of free agents that are either left to sign or were non-tendered, which is the majority of the group. So let's lead off with an absolute Homer scenario here. Why don't you dive into a guy that you've heard some, some rumblings on where he could end up and we, and we both like the idea. Yeah, so, uh, you know, Homer alert. It's possible um, Hunjin Ryu to the Jays. Speculation via MLB.com. Take that for what it's worth. Um, but this could be good for the young Jays starting pitchers for the rotation. Um, they don't have to be forced into action early in 2019. I don't see it as a good move for Ryu from a fantasy perspective because his stat line can't possibly be better. Um, if it's a one or two year deal that he would sign with the Jays or, you know, one in an option or something. Um, so he could be dealt this year. That might be really appealing and like for the Jays and also for Ryu, if the money's there, why wouldn't he take it? You know, he's going to get to pitch in a very competitive environment, just like he did when he was a Dodger. But instead of being on the competitive team, pitching against other teams, he's going to be on the non-competitive team pitching against all the competitive teams but it could be a really good step for the jays because he's then your automatic opening day starter he has shown as you had said before ty he's shown that he's turned the corner on his health and he's going to be able to take the ball every fifth day for you and that that might also help um, because there are some japanese free agents uh, i think i'm trying to remember the names of them but there's two guys one pitcher who i think is 31 or 32 who could also potentially be a fit um, in the rumor mill as another J and maybe signing a guy like Ryu could help to make that happen. They always talk in Seattle about how having Ichiro there was almost like an automatic for them to be able to sign anyone else that they wanted to come in unless the Yankees decided to overpay, um, i.e. Hideki Arabu and um, uh, Godzilla. Yeah, uh, Hideki Matsua. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh here's the thing. I mean, I've said it from the very beginning of this offseason for Toronto. Uh, I think the only way that they acquire high-end starting pitching is if they acquire two of them. And I don't know that that's necessarily in the budget. Um, but, you know, the way I looked at it, I, I got excited about the idea of Ryu and Baumgartner uh, as guys oh. that Toronto could realistically go get because we desperately need left-handed starters. 
Um, you know, Anthony K could fill that void. So maybe you don't need two of them. Um, but I really liked the idea of one of at the very least Ryu or Baumgartner. And I think Ryu is the lower hanging fruit for Toronto. I think from a marketing perspective in a very diverse city like Toronto, Rio fits better. Um, but Baumgartner would be so much fun. Uh, yeah. In Toronto, I mean, oh it, my it god, would everybody would. I think they. I think everybody would love him, just like how the hockey fans in town love Ty Domi. Like Domi was not the skilled player, whereas Baumgartner is like your Hall of Fame skilled player. But Baumgartner could come in and basically be like the, you know, there's there's some crap in the dressing room, and there's this and there's that, and everyone's gonna be like, uh huh, yes, Mr. Bomber, yes, Mr. Bomber, <laughs> we will fix this, yes, sir. Well, please tell us your ways. Okay, so like so ATV plus if he loves outdoors, <laughs> so, so let's go, let's go crazy hypotheticals right here. Okay, so just crazy. This imagine this. So you've got <laughs> oh, no. Ryan Barucky, <laughs> oh, Anthony so there's K, a lefty. Yep. Anthony yep. K, Ryu. Yep. Baumgartner and yep. Keichel. <laughs> <laughs> Roll out five lefties that all pitch extremely different. It would yeah, be... that's interesting. Well, remember when like when the Jays did the was it twelve? Whenever they did the push with Dickey and and Burley and Josh Johnson, everybody, they talked about how they had three lefties, I think, at that time. It was uh Ricky Romero, who went from opening day starter to SP five, and then they had Burley and Jeez, uh, who else? Hap ended up in the rotation. I think yeah. he was like the sixth guy. Anyway, the point I was trying to make was everybody, so they had Dickie, they had the knuckleballer, right? So they throw a knuckleballer at you, and then the next day you're going up against Josh Johnson, hard-throwing right-hander, and then the next day you're going up against Burley, a soft-tossing lefty, and then the next day, oh, it was Brandon Morrow. You go up against Brandon Morrow, a hard-throwing righty, and then you go up against Ricky Romero, a crafty, hard-throwing lefty, and then you go back to Dickey, and it was supposed yeah. to be this like really difficult thing that no matter who they were going up against, it was going to be really hard for teams to match up against them because of all of these things. And at the end of the day, you just need pitchers who can throw strikes and get outs or have the ball um, or weak contact. You know, like you don't want the ball in the air and, in Toronto, and yep. that's what they need to focus in on. So if Ryu's really good ground ball guy, like Stroman was, although, you know, depending on who you talk to, Stroman was not great in the dressing room or whatever. If like Ryu probably can't speak English, so that would be <laughs> a good thing um, that, you know, how can people hate a guy who, who can't speak to the, his teammates. Um, yeah. But yeah, that could be one of those things where like you, you bring him in the, the crafty, crafty guy, and maybe he could lead to other things, but that'd be a hilarious thing. If one team, just went and got like five lefties yeah awesome. like video game right like you yeah. would assemble that and then like do the they're the all six nine, 320 pounds yeah <laughs> <laughs> well no you do the manager mode and you just like go forward like 30 games so then everybody's gone through and had six starts then you look and you're like what what's happened <laughs> i i always oh. love to do six nine lefty 320 pounds and just <laughs> get my ephus pitch to 99 and just watch that thing dance <laughs> so anyway, okay uh, let's, uh, sticking, fun, on, sticking on the Toronto note, I think, you know, there's a couple things that are actually really, really relevant in the, the non-tender candidates. So Aaron Sanchez leading off was a guy that went from Toronto to Houston, um, had a real blip on the radar. Um, yeah. Part of the start. Yeah. Part of, part of the, the, the no, no that went down. 
Um, and, and ultimately that was kind of the flash in the pan that he had while he was in Houston. Right. So non-tender candidate, I mean, some team's going to consign him. There's too much upside. Uh, he has a long history of injury, but you know, let's, let's go through these non-tender guys and I want you to pick the best landing spot for each of them. So Aaron Sanchez, where are you going? Aaron Sanchez, two year deal, Kansas city. We like that one. That's, that's a great spot for him. Yeah, I could see that one. I could also see St. Louis doing the same thing. Um, oh, as a guy that yeah, he'd RP if he went to St. Louis this year and then come back as a potential starter next year. I, I agree. I, I like him in St. Louis. I like him in Kansas City better, though. So I, I, I think that's a good call. Um, what about Taiwan Walker? Where do you see him going? Uh, there are apparently 30 MLB teams, or sorry, 29 that could really like him. Uh, I can see, I, you know what? I will say Minnesota because I just said earlier in the episode, Minnesota needs another guy. So here you go. There's a little bit of a dangle. You could maybe do him on a, uh, I don't know, like a three-year 30, 35 million, which would be a hell of a lot. But who knows what the market's going to have for him. Like I, if I, Arizona wasn't willing to pay $5 million for him, what's he going to get on the open market realistically? I actually think he is the perfect signing on a three-year deal for Toronto. Uh, I think he's exactly what the what the Blue Jays need. They need a guy that Five has stars. a history. He is going to give you <laughs> – no, I mean, I think he has a history of, of getting uh, people out uh, at at least a major league level, and that's what Toronto desperately needs is an SP4 or an SP5, and I think you're going to get SP2 upside from him potentially if he stays healthy. So I think he's the prototypical guy that Toronto needs to get as one of three starters they need to sign this offseason. So whether he signs there or not, I, I don't know for sure, but I like him in Toronto a lot. Okay. Uh, yeah, not it's not terrible. Steven Souza Jr. Oof. That that one for me is really tough because you know he's a guy that's bounced around and really doesn't have a major league resume, right? He has all this potential, right? He's he's had flashes, no questions, um, looks productive, but has a zero track record of consistency, right? Like literally exactly. none. So Bless, I, I mean, that's it. Yep, I, I mean for me, I wouldn't touch him with a ten foot pole, and ultimately that's the thing that that I'm a little terrified by. Um, I'm trying to think of a reasonable landing spot for him. Oof. Do you got one top of mind and give me half a second to rethink here? Sure. Yeah. I would say his ideal landing spot would be a San Diego because that's the kind of team who doesn't need to depend on him. And if Arizona wasn't willing to give him, I think around six and a quarter million, I mean, these are estimated numbers through arbitration. Um, like Aaron Sanchez's number, I think was 9 million. So it makes sense to cut ties with a guy who's going to miss half the season, um, and had an ERA closing in on five. Um, uh, but for Steven Souza, I can see him getting kind of like a, maybe a two year, $9 million deal, uh, to go to San Diego to kind of help to crowd that outfield and put some pop off the bench and give himself, uh, the option potentially of starting. It's an interesting outfield in San Diego. I don't remember if they did um, DFA um, Manny Margot. I doubt it, but they've got four outfielders, and right now Hunter Renfro is the only one that I would want in fantasy. Uh, Franchi's okay. Franchi's not going to hurt you. But see, the problem is that you've got Franchi, Renfro, Myers, and Margot. So they're all kind of blobbing in, but you could easily put Souza in, and then he's your fourth guy, which means you can deal away one of those guys. 
um, ideally not Renfro and less likely that you could lose Myers. So it would be uh, Franchi or a Margot and probably Margot would be the guy that would go. So I'm, I'm going with Souza to Santiago. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think the right fit for Souza is definitely San Francisco. I think on a one year deal chance for him to recoup some value, get some at bats. Uh, it's certainly not going to be on a, let's sign him to win a championship type model, but definitely I think a great opportunity for Sousa to recoup some of his value. Yeah, that's, that's not bad. What about Addison Russell? Uh, I feel like um, Korea is the perfect fit for him. Get him the heck away from MLB. They don't need any more players with bad um, reputations and doing bad things to ladies. So Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree one little bit about that being good for Russell. Um, I, I think he's too good to, to leave Major League Baseball. And I think um, depending on what happens in... Cleveland, I I love him to end up there if if uh, oh. Lindor moves on. I, I think on on a short term deal, one or two years, um, it, it gives Yu Chang Chang a chance to maybe steal some <laughs> at bats there. Um, literally anytime Yu-Chang. I can mention yeah, Yu Chang, he's coming out. <laughs> you know you want to say it quickly. Go ahead. Yeah, right. So um, you know I, I like him as as a Cleveland guy there. Um, the other spot I could see him signing, and, it, and this is probably a really really realistic one, is Detroit. Okay. So yeah, I, I like, like him there's... in the AL Central. There's some good spots there for him. There's playing time there. So JT Riddle, who um, I mentioned earlier, was uh, non-tendered by Miami. So he's now out there. I mean, this is not an impact guy. This isn't somebody who came up last year and um, was good for more than a couple weeks for you in fantasy throughout the season. So he's definitely, just like Addison Russell, not somebody I'm going to invest in. In the one league that I own Russell, where I think he's still got three years left, I am just hoping that somebody wants to make a trade for some kind of prospect and I can say, you need to take Russell in this deal just to alleviate myself from him. But um, for JT Riddle, this is a low-risk guy. To me, he just screams bench depth and that to me is an Oakland athletic. If they're going to let Franklin Barreto take um, all of the at-bats this year at second base, um, you could have a guy like JT Riddle who could move around a little bit. Marcus Simeon, you know, gets a day off here. And then if it's not working out great um, with Barreto, you've got Riddle who could be a backup, an MLB backup. As he's proved, he can hit, just not, you know, to 270. Yeah, I mean, just because he's not on the list, I'm going to chime in. I actually think Peraza might be a better fit for that role in Oakland. He fits their type of player they go after a little bit but i actually think jt riddle is is a better candidate to end up in korea uh than than russell um i I think there's a lot of reason he should do that um i don't know that going and being a backup is best for his long-term career i think he needs to go and find out what his career really entails and i don't think he's gonna be able to do that in the mlb so so i think korea is a better fit for him Okay. Well, I'll I'll just say I I feel like Peraza is so sadly going to get <clears throat> excuse me not a starting job but is going to get himself into a position where he could get at bats and I could see that being a potential bench role with Seattle and my boy Depoto um, because he loves guys with upside and Peraza with the 
ability to play his position and possibly move around as a second base shortstop guy. Um, that might be something that's just too good for Jerry to pass up on, especially when his value is now low. And we will see shortly Seattle non-tendered um, Domingo Santana. So uh, Jerry's up for interesting moves. So next up, CJ Crone, who has, what is it? Some crazy number. I think it's like 50, 55 home runs the last two years. CJ Crone, like, come on. Former Minnesota twin, right? Where where do you see Crone landing? Uh, see, I'm not a Crone fan, so this is really hard for me to not throw him under the bus right now and try to be biased. I, I just don't think he provides that much value. Um, I, I, I honestly agree with the, the thing you just typed in, and I hate that. Um, <laughs> I just said, just so we know, so the listener, I just said I could see him going to Toronto. Justin's and and, and, and I, I don't disagree because it gives you the righty-lefty split with um, Rowdy Talese. I, I, I kind of agree with you on that one. He's steam um, whistle. He does one thing really, really well, and that's hit. He <laughs> that's hits nice. dingers. I like that. That's that's, that's a local beer reference right yeah, across from Rogers Center. Yeah, uh, that's fun. Simon, I, did you try steam whistle? <laughs> that's that i like that a lot there there's something for that reason alone i like him in toronto <laughs> <laughs> okay so double toronto uh moving on kevin gosman this is a guy we have seen a lot as he was a longtime baltimore oriole um he was an effective pitcher for several years he lost it apparently found it and then seemingly lost it all over again in atlanta uh fin- where did he finish last year Cincinnati scene. Yeah, he was his numbers were Cincinnati? sneaky good in Cincinnati. Yeah, like Atlanta okay. dealt him. He went to Atlanta, right? Um, yeah. and then he ended up in, in Cincinnati later. I, I liked his numbers in Cincinnati. I really like him. Um I I could see him potentially in Boston. I, I like Ooh. him as a back of the rotation guy in Boston. Okay. I mean, I, I think he's pitched, he's pitched in the East. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um He's familiar with the parks and what it takes to pitch in that division. Uh, Boston absolutely has to reload, and they don't have a ton of money to do it. So I, I like this as a as a cheap one, maybe a two year deal, and they might get the Boston Red Sox discount on on a guy like this. But I, I like him on about ten major league rosters, if I'm honest. I think he's very underappreciated. I think his numbers he's he's been nowhere in his career except for hitter-friendly parks. He's been in Baltimore, Cincinnati, um, and Atlanta. So at no point has he pitched in a pitcher's ballpark. I'd be really curious to see what that looked like. Interesting. And I think that he would be the guy who would fill out the Philly rotation. They've got a couple of questionable dudes at the back end, and I think he might just be one more of those question marks they can stick in there on a one-year deal. I'm not exactly – I mean, I was going to say, I'm not exactly sure what – a one-year deal for a shaky starting pitcher's worth. And then I remembered that um, two years ago, the Blue Jays signed uh, Jaime Garcia for $10 million. So I guess... Oh, jeez. Exactly. So, But if you think about this, though, Ty, Jaime Garcia, one-year, $10 million, or Cole Hamels, one-year, $19 million. What's the steal of the deal out of those two? Neither. They it's Cole suck. Hamels. No, they Cole Hamels suck. is your steal of a deal because no. he's providing you with Cole Hamels. You know, yeah, but like he's 36 he, year old Cole Hamels. Like, I, I mean, I'm not interested in that. All right. Well, I still think that if you're looking at those two, then um, I would just here, say Gosman to Philly. 
but yeah, here's the thing though. Like if you go through the the divisions, like, you know, let's, let's look at the, you've got, he could fit in Oakland. He could fit in Texas. He could probably fit in Seattle. I can't um, see him fitting in Oakland, to be honest. Oakland's got too many in-house options. Who? They've got uh, Fires, Manea, Montes, Lazardo, and Bassett, right? Like, so assuming both Puck? Lazardo and, and that's what I was about to say, assuming Lazardo and Puck don't both make the roster, right? Because I don't think both of them will. Um, I don't know that Lazardo starts on the roster. Um, Puck, I think, will. I think he's the better of the two. And I think Bassett is, is a very respectable fifth starter, but I think Oakland's window is going to close here. So I, I don't think they can afford to not take a chance. I'm not saying this is the perfect fit. I'm just saying it is a fit. Um, Texas, but you've also fit. got, hold on, homie. You've also got Paul Blackburn who has been up and then kicked around a little bit last year. And then my man, James Caprillion, who is a sleeper, former top 100 prospect who got back on track last year. He came over. I can't remember what the trade was, but it was something with the Yankees in 2017. And I think Oakland is set to at least start the year with what they have. Yep. I mean, Grant Holmes is there too, and he's no slouch either. Um, They've got arms. That's all I'm saying. As far as I don't disagree. I'm just again. I'm I'm not saying they're perfect fits. I'm just saying they're fits. And so you go through the the rest of the major league baseball. Like if, if the Yankees don't sign Cole, he could be a signing there. Minnesota, to your point, the angels definitely need starters. Kansas city will take literally anyone that wants to play there. Um, Houston could just, <laughs> yeah, Houston could anyone justify for two years. And then they've got all those guys they drafted in 2018. That that's should right. be ready to roll. Yeah. So, I mean, Baltimore is not going to bring back Gosman, but there, he could fit there too. Right. Arizona, uh, the Cubbies probably could fit him in. Uh, Cincinnati's obviously not going to bring them back, but you know the list goes on. Like there, there's there's at least ten teams that are really good fits for Gosman, um, and 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 I think his his peripheral numbers were very underappreciated last year. Um, his walk rate has always been low. His ground ball rate is reasonable. Um, he he's a he's a strike thrower. So put him on a roster with a decent defense in a ballpark that's not Homer happy, and you might be pleasantly surprised what you get out of Kevin Gosman. Okay, how about Cesar Hernandez? Kind of a surprise that he was dropped as he has been a reliable, although declining in in war, but a reliable multi-category guy. Um, Never got the respect in fantasy for what he could do for you in categories leagues. But yeah, I, I this one for me is an easy one. I I think the Tigers. This is Tigers written all over them. Um, a one-year deal similar to what they did last year with Josh Harrison. Um, Tigers have no positional player depth, so a one, maybe even a two-year deal under the premise that you get one year to build up your value and a second year for us to trade you um, could be a, an interesting signing for them. Um, they desperately need some infield support, so. Um, I, I don't really don't mind that one for Detroit at this point in time. And uh, Josh Harrison signed, I think, a minor league deal with the Phillies. Yeah, he, so he'll be he'll be at least the depth piece, right? Yeah, He's that's a sneaky one. Yeah, so that's why Cesar Hernandez might be gone because they're like, hey, we're good. And the other guy, which I kind of like the fact that they let him go, Mikel Franco, former third baseman. Now, for me, sorry, Cesar Hernandez. Um, you said, uh, sorry, I'm just going to write in here. He's got Detroit written all over him. I think that Cesar Hernandez has, geez, like Miami written all over him. A, a place where he can go with VR. I guess maybe they're both second basemen. Ooh. But I'm to not- your point, though, I think Isin Diaz is, is the guy that's going to be there. Blocking 
I'm going to stick with Miami. They have a way of ruining things, so maybe they'll trade <laughs> DS. <laughs> yeah, there's some truth to that. <laughs> well, I think actually, I think what I meant was Franco was going to be Miami, but I'm just sticking with Hernandez. I'm also going to put um, Franco in Miami because that's a little bit more of a fit for him as a third baseman there. Yeah, I actually really like him in Philly as well. Or sorry, not Philly, Miami. Sorry. Miami. Um, I, I like him there as well. I, I don't know that's where he ends up. Um, there, there's a couple teams top of my mind that I'm on the fence on whether he would fit there. I mean, Arizona, Jake Lamb, he would be a really nice platoon um, there. And I think it would be a really nice – uh, spell off for Christian Walker at first base to have Franco and Lamb there, and I think yeah, it would that give might them, work out because Lamb is give, definitely a decent first baseman or first base option. Sorry. Well, and and the reality is like Lamb's only starting against righties anyway, right? Yeah. So you know if you if you just you know split time between Walker and Franco on right-handed starters that um, you know they they can face and be successful against. I, I like I like him in Arizona. I think that's a good fit for them. I don't disagree. Quickly, um, Roster Resource has VR as Miami's third baseman, Miguel Rojas as the shortstop. First base is Jesus Aguilar, who I will be honest, I didn't realize that he was claimed off waivers earlier this month by yeah, Miami. So th- there he is putting another another cog in the wheel and Asan Diaz at second base. But they're... Um, infield outfielder of John Birdie who kind of like exploded on the scene last year and he was a free agent signing out of Tirana um, he'll be playing next year as a 30 year old whether he's a blip or actually sticks is another thing um, but he's listed as their bench guy there so they definitely could use one of Hernandez or Franco I mean yep. they could use both of them really I think Franco's a better fit because then VR yeah, moves I around um, I, I, I like that signing for them I think that's a really realistic option yeah, and Franco and just needs to go somewhere where he can hit in the three or four hole and try to get some mojo going. And <laughs> and for sure, like when you look at the the oldest guy in Miami's starting rotation today is Caleb Smith, who pitched perfectly fine last year, and he'll uh, he'll pitch most of next year at twenty eight. And everybody else, oh, I guess sorry, Jose Urania is twenty eight also, uh, but they've got three twenty four or younger players in Sandy Alcantara. Uh, Jordan Yamamoto, who is also a Yelich trade, and Pablo Lopez, who's going to be probably 24 for all next year. Um, so, I, I mean, Miami's not the worst team ever. They're not Baltimore. Miami's got some pieces, and that's why Baltimore has traded VR there, which has now caused all of this fun for us when we're trying to predict guys' uh, landing spots here. So um, now we're on to um, Kevin Pillar, uh, Superman or former Superman. This is a guy that I can see ending up as an AL East New York Yankee. Really? Yeah. No way. Zero percent chance. Unless I, unless Clint Frazier gets traded, which I, I don't think they're going to do because this is the last year for Gardner. Um, there's I don't think there's any chance that he's a New York Yankee. It so this is it. And and Roster Resource has this wrong because right now they've got Judge as right field, Stanton as left field, and Talkman at center field. But you bring in a guy like Pilar. Well, Aaron Hicks is still there, right? Aaron Hicks is hurt. Aaron Hicks is always hurt. He's he signed the mega deal. I don't think he's gonna play next year. 
Seriously? Yeah. I didn't know that. Shoulder something or other. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be listed on roster resource for what the injury is. But yeah, he's tostado for 2020, at least for the bulk of 2020. Um, Okay. That changes it a little bit. Yeah, so you've got uh, the possible option of Clint Frazier, as you mentioned, and I don't disagree, but I feel like Clint Frazier could be somebody that if New York wanted to deal, they would have by now, but I feel like they just don't like him. But their starting rotation is Tanaka, Paxton, Severino, Hap, Montgomery. Not in that order, obviously. Yeah. So you've got your SP5 and Jordan Montgomery, who the Yankees, I'm sure, would much rather have somebody else. So you could easily either bundle him in or look somewhere else. You've got uh, Debbie Garcia, who could come up at some point this year and potentially make an impact. But you, you want that stable guy out there, yeah. and they need one. So I'm just saying, on a one-year deal, Kevin Pillar might be interested in putting on the pinstripes. Yeah, I, I have him in Arizona as well. Back-to-back guys that I think are good fits for Arizona. I mean, the reality is, like, roster resource has Kettle Marte playing center field. That's not going to be the reality. Yeah, that's, David, just, that's just the offseason, right? Like, they're just not correct. on for yeah. everybody. David Peralta is not a, a center fielder, and Josh Rojas is just not really going to be the guy um, at, at all in center field. So, for me, Pilar would be a really good uh, cheap option for them. Um, and I think he'd be reasonable to slot into the back end of their lineup. I, I just think there's room for, for him to be there on a really um, reasonable price. I think he wants to stay on the West Coast. Uh, it's where he's from. So I don't, I don't see another West Coast fit for him. So I think this is the closest, uh, you know, from a free agency standpoint. I think he's going to be interested in Arizona. Whether they're interested in him, that's the question. But um, I, I like him in Arizona. I think he'd be a good fit. Fair enough. So Blake Trinan, this is somebody who I'm still surprised, you know, just the way Oakland operates that they wouldn't have put the money into him. I I guess I just remember back to when they signed Cespedes for like four years, 36 million people are like, whoa, Oakland. Cause they, at that point in time, they were cool to spend it. But now, um, you know, the purse purse strings have been tightened. Um, and I, I see Trinan definitely definitely going to a team that's going to compete this year and i'm not sure if that means that he ends up as like the next great miss of a closer but i'm i'm giving him the chicago cubs uniform and i'm seeing him go there to hopefully reestablish himself as a dominant late inning guy and and i'm gonna follow the last part a little bit in terms of reestablish but everything else i couldn't disagree with you more um I think he's going to be a Pittsburgh Pirate on a one-year deal. Oh. On a one-year deal so he can go back into free agency next year. Um, and I think with it, every intention of him ending up on a competitive team by the end of the year. But I, Pittsburgh I think, has that great closer. What's his name? Oh, wait, never mind. That's what I'm saying. So <laughs> there's, there's yeah, a fit no, it there. Makes sense. It makes sense. So, you know, you sign him for five mil on a one-year deal, knowing you're going to move him. You might have to sign him for eight or ten. But either way... You know, he's he's still going to be an asset for a team like Pittsburgh. They would be stupid to at least not check in on him. Um, that said, I could also see, depending on what Toronto does with Ken Giles, if they sign him, which there's yeah. a lot of talk about that now, I could see them doubling down with Trinan as well. Oh, like and, if Toronto ex- extends Giles? Correct. So there's been a lot of that talk lately about him being 
a guy they're going to add to the conversation. And then Trinan would be a double down on that. I, I don't think it's going to be how it plays out, but I just, I just think that that is an option. I mean, there's no way Toronto signs Giles without a couple starters landing in, in the roost. But um, yeah, if it does what's, go what's that the point way, having guys that can finish the game, if you're never going to be in the lead when you get there. Correct. Yeah. So, okay. I like that one. Um, yep. So potential for that. Yeah. So Domingo Santana, former Seattle Mariner had a very solid start to his season. Um, and easy one for me, San Francisco giants. Yeah. That's, that's an in. area of need. Okay. I will pump you in there, San Fran. And although I don't disagree with that, um, I, I'm not sure of Santana's best role long-term. So I don't see him as a guy who ends up on a team like San Fran, who is, I don't know, would you, they're, they're veteran laden, but Santana's looking for playing the, time though. He's so not, he's looking the most important. Yeah, thing for him. I do. I think a hundred percent. I see him as more of an Arizona guy. If we're going in that vein that you think he just wants, but wants who plays center field if he signs there, they don't have a center fielder. Like they're, they're targeting center field. Marte. There's no questions. <laughs> <laughs> Marte, Frost Resource, you put it there. I can too. <laughs> it's a cop out. I'll take it. I yeah, did that's the a same. That's a, did... that, that's a roto statement, is what that is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I mean, we each have put a player in Korea. So, <laughs> <laughs> All uh, right. speaking of Korean players, Travis Shaw. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, flash in the, the pan that lasted, what, the better part of three seasons off and on. And now it seems to finally be over for Shaw. So does he get an MLB deal? Yeah, I I think, no, I think he gets a minor league deal no matter where he signs. Okay. Um, I I actually really like him to be in the competition in Toronto uh, for first base um, on a minor league deal. Yeah, I I like him to push. Uh, I I like that he has a little bit of flexibility with a left-handed swing. Um, He could potentially play and spell off second and third. and, and, I, and I think that's a good move for Toronto um, to have that depth. I, I don't know that he'll crack the roster, but I really like him as an as a invite to camp. If he doesn't end up there, um, the only other one that I could see as a potential minor league role um, would also be Pittsburgh because I think it gives them the flexibility to trade Bell if they want. Okay. Yeah, that's well, that's interesting. I wasn't thinking – I don't think of him, I guess, as a first baseman. So, because I don't think he's a second or third, and I think that's why he struggled because he's been focusing on the defensive side instead of on what he should be doing, which is hitting, hitting dingers. Yeah. Well, I can easily see Travis Shaw, depending on how things go. Let's just say uh, it all falls apart in Washington and Rendon's gone. I could easily see Shaw ending up in Washington next season. Well, I, I don't disagree. I think it should be a minor league deal, which is why I was asking if he's somebody who would go abroad. Um, but yeah, I mean, I kind of wanted to put him as a Baltimore guy. Yeah, um, I, I dig that. But I just, I almost fear his, like, he's not blocking anybody, but just like, what's the point, right? Like Baltimore is so far apart, or sorry, so far away from contending that they don't want to keep guys with multiple years of control. So they deal them off and they don't get back necessarily elite today type prospects not that they were worthy of that in the first place but they're so far away from the competitive window that what is Travis Shaw doing because it's not like when the Jays were meddling and they were signing um, Scott Rowland and um, 
oh geez, who was the shortstop that hit the like blooper that won the World Series for the Diamondbacks, and then he signed with the Jays in the mid two thousands. Ah. Luis Gonzalez hit the blooper for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Was it Gonzalez? Well, maybe it was somebody that was on base, but <laughs> maybe it was the guy that was the World Series MVP. Oh, I have no idea who you're talking about. Okay, I'm gonna look it up. But anyway, my point was just that like they were signing these guys, but they were paying the mega bucks. Travis Shaw's not mega bucks territory here. Um, I I don't think any team is like better off or better with him uh, unless he changes some major part of his game, like maybe taking a walk or learning to play defense very well. Because right now there are a ton of guys who I'm sure are on every single MLB team's depth chart that they think, well, Travis Shaw can't take that guy's spot because we want to give him a better shot. So, um, and then finally the last guy we've got on is Jimmy Nelson starting pitcher last week when we were talking about Chase Anderson getting traded, Jimmy Nelson was the guy that I was thinking was the other guy in Milwaukee that just could not get it right. And Jimmy Nelson, do you have, do you have somewhere for him? He's a pitcher. So really any of the 30 teams. Yeah. I, here's a guy that I think um, fits into that Gosman territory of a very underappreciated right. asset. Um, again, if I went through the exact same list I went through with Gosman, I like Oakland. I like, Toronto, I like uh, Kansas City again for anybody that wants to play there. Um, the Marlins could potentially use him. I, I think he's he's underappreciated. I think he's better um, than Milwaukee has made him out to be because we talked about this last year. Like Milwaukee, in my opinion, has done a terrible job of managing their rotation. Um, and I think this is another guy that falls into that category. So I, I like him pretty much anywhere. Um, it's just tough to say because there's a couple of the big dogs going after the big assets. And then that's the dominant one, the, the dominoes that need to fall in order for some of these other things to happen. But um, I, I think he's the kind of guy that's going to end up in a small market. So Toronto, Baltimore, uh, who else would fall into that? I'm going to go again. I don't Pittsburgh's think Toronto's gonna... going to, cause they took Anderson. So I think that was like, they could have probably had either one. No, they only took Anderson because he was getting um, non. Oh, I guess they both got non-tendered, didn't they? Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Thank you. Yeah, well, maybe maybe they recognized that they were going to have to drop one of them either way, and they didn't want to overspend, knowing that one, the other one might come out anyway. But anyway, not not really the point. You don't really want to acquire two questionable starters from the same roster. Um, that's bad PR. So, um, the reality is like, I, I could see him filling the fifth spot in, in New York as well for the Mets. Oh, okay. That's, yeah, a, that's, yeah. that's, that's probably the one I'm going to hang my hat on. All right. You got him for the Mets and I've got him in for Colorado because I like the idea of Colorado deciding that they don't have the special sauce and they don't know everything about their starting pitchers, which we were all trying to praise them in mid the midpoint of 2018 through the end of the year. And then last year it all fell apart. Um, see Kyle Freeland for <laughs> that. And I am looking now at the full roster for the 2001 world series champion, Arizona Diamondbacks. I don't see the guy that I wanted. Um, some notable guys though, Rod Barajas, Miguel Batista. Uh, da, 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 da. There were so many Craig council. Luis Gonzalez. Yeah, Luis Gonzalez, Mark Grace, Ken Huckabee, Randy Johnson. Yeah, that team uh, was built around pitching. Yeah, it was, yeah. And this was only their fourth year in the league. 
and they had Kurt Schilling, Lyle Overbay, which I didn't realize Overbay had won. Double, uh, doubles Machine. Juan Soto. Yes, J-U-A-N. Oh, sorry, Juan, Juan Sosa. <laughs> uh, there were two more. Matt Williams, Bobby Witt. Uh, so yeah, interesting. I don't know who the heck it was that the Jays got, but anyway, the whole point was just that they were just getting kind of somewhat, I like that I'm trying to say name brand guys and I can't remember his name. Um, but they were getting guys that you would like go and see, are they good or whatever? Uh, but they weren't building a team. And, and some of these guys that are on this list are probably never going to do anything good in baseball again but there are there's a lot of talent here as we've discussed that you said Ty you know there's a lot of potential landing spots for guys here so and this was not the um, complete list of all the guys that were non-tendered these were the notable guys there are a lot of other guys you mentioned Luke Maley earlier in the episode there are a ton of relievers that teams just didn't want to pay the high price that they were slated to pay and as a result we now have a much nicer looking uh, off season because guys are going to be signing in different places and making rosters a little more enticing for us as fantasy owners because somebody is <laughs> going to all of a sudden seem better or worse based on where they end up. So I just pulled up uh, Ross or MLB trade rumors before uh, we signed off here to make sure there was nobody we missed. And the top article is Tigers interested in Addison Russell. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. That's exactly what that's exactly what baseball needs. <laughs> so yep i i think that's a great place to drop it i mean next week we got the rule five draft super exciting i i think we've talked about it last week in an episode that previewed some of the guys that are going to be available in the rule five draft but um i think we're entering an era where the rule five draft is going to be more relevant and i'm super excited about it i think there's a couple guys that are going to make big impacts and the aforementioned Detroit Tigers are going to have the first pick, I believe. So um, they're certainly going to take Wander Javier from the Minnesota Twins. You can put it on the board. Yes. <laughs> and that's a great spot to end it. It's been Tyler and Rob with Dingers. This is Dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah. Dingers. Let's go.